It was about six o'clock in the morning in Jerusalem. The sun was just beginning to come up, but it was still dark outside. It was still cool outside. It looks and sounds just like any other morning. All is quiet and still. The birds are singing in the treetops. But as you walk through a garden early that morning, you begin to hear what sounds like a woman crying. And that woman, of course, is Mary Magdalene. She is the most faithful follower that Jesus has. Mary Magdalene was one of the very last ones still in his corner as he died on the cross. She followed Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea as they took his body off the cross and saw where they laid him. And now on the first day of the week, she is the very first one there to the tomb. And as we all know, as she enters the tomb along with some other women, what do they see? They see that the stone has been rolled away. They encounter the angels, and the angels say, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. And so go and tell his disciples that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. And so they do that. Well, now, after everyone has, has already left who had been there, Mary Magdalene is now returned to the tomb by herself, and now she is weeping outside. And as she looks again inside the empty tomb of Jesus, again she sees those two angels. And we can hear the sadness and the disillusionment in her words. John chapter 20 and verse 13. The angel said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. And how eerily reminiscent this is of the tears of Martha at the tomb of Lazarus not that long ago. Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother Lazarus would have lived. But you were not here. You were somewhere else, and it's nice that you're here, but it's too late. Can't go back. You see, she was living in a period of time where the grave was the point of no return. And Mary Magdalene met Jesus earlier on in the Gospels when he had set her free from a litany of demons, seven to be exact. And as all of a sudden she is set free from these unclean spirits, she devoted the rest of her life to following Jesus and to hoping in Jesus, wherever he would go and whatever he would say. You see, I think that Mary Magdalene is weeping at the empty tomb of Jesus because she is processing that he rescued me from yesterday's demons. But who is going to rescue me from the demons of tomorrow? In verse 14, it says, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And yet she did not know that it was Jesus. 
And so Jesus is standing right in front of her, resurrected from his tomb, but she doesn't even know it. And now it's been said that in the five stages of grief, oftentimes there is the stage of denial. And denial is that stage that causes people to say, no, that diagnosis was mistaken. I'm going to need a second and a third and a fourth and a 21st opinion. And it's very easy to just lapse into this alternate reality. But in this instance, though, Jesus' death was so overwhelmingly conclusive that in Mary Magdalene's understanding, there, there is no doubt whatsoever that Jesus had been dead. I mean, she, she had a front row seat right there at the cross where she would have seen an unrecognizable Jesus from his scourgings and from his crucifixion. Mary Magdalene heard Jesus cry out with a loud voice on the cross. She saw him hang his head and breathe his last. She witnessed a Roman soldier grabbing a spear and what he did with that spear in Jesus' side. Verse 15, Jesus has the famous reply where he says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she says, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take his, his body away. I mean, Mary Magdalene is absolutely heartbroken. Mary Magdalene loves Jesus. And yet having said that, though, Jesus was the last person on the face of the earth who Mary expected to run into this morning. But it's then where we begin to see her fear and great joy begin to take hold of her when the resurrection is realized. It's something that just leaps right off of the page and into our, our, our hearts. Where Jesus only needs one word to... Let her know who he is. The most intimate of all that is Mary's name. Where Jesus says, Mary. And suddenly she, she hears and she recognizes that old familiar tone. She hears that cadence that had branded a verbal imprint upon her soul, setting off bone-chilling wonderment. As she slowly looks up and she recognizes that this is Jesus now. And she says, Rabboni, it was by far the most eminent title of respect that you could give to a person. Less than 10 people had a title such as this in Palestine. And now all of a sudden, as Mary now has these brand new eyes for the resurrected Jesus, now Mary Magdalene of all people, she is the first mortal proclaimer of the risen Jesus. And she goes right back to the same apostles that she had, had gone to earlier in the morning a second time. And now what she says is, well, it is the bombshell of the ages. Where she says that I, you know, it's, you know, it's not just a matter of of his grave being empty. But I just saw the risen Jesus with my own eyes. Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus is alive. It's something that we see with the two travelers on the road to Emmaus. 
Emmaus was this tiny Judean village seven miles from Jerusalem. It would be almost like walking from the Westchester building all the way to Kathy's house in Exton. And so these two travelers, we believe it is a husband and his wife, when all of a sudden this stranger appears to them from out of nowhere. And it's like the Garden of Eden all over again, where, where now in this instance, it's God the Son, God the risen Savior, Jesus, who is walking with them and talking with them. And yet Cleopas and his wife don't even know it. Now Luke says that their eyes had been kept from recognizing Jesus. Mark says that Jesus had appeared to them in a different form. Luke chapter 24 and verse 17, we can hear the sadness and disillusionment in their words. As Jesus asked them a question, just as God asked Adam and Eve a question in the garden, Jesus says, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And this question just, it stops them flat in their tracks. And they just, it says in the text that they, they stood still looking sad. And in those last two words, looking sad, how eerily reminiscent this is of the rich young ruler, where he's walking away from Jesus sad and, and he's grieving. Well, in these past few days, the whole entire city has been making that sad walk away from Jesus. In this instance, a sad walk away from the cross and the tomb of Jesus. Jesus says, what are you guys discussing? And Cleopas says, where are you from? What cave have you wandered out from? Haven't you heard? Jesus says, what things? Cleopas replies, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. You, you haven't heard of Jesus of Nazareth? Je you know, he was a, a man who was a prophet who was mighty in deed and in word. Now notice he, he identifies Jesus as a prophet. He does not identify him as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as King of Kings or Lord of Lords. But rather the sentiment seems to be, well, we had thought that he was the Messiah. But I guess that he was just another prophet. He was just Elijah 4.0. I mean, he said the most beautiful things anybody had ever heard. He did some really cool stuff. But our chief priest crucified him just the other day. In verse 21 of Luke 24, we can hear the sadness and disillusionment all over again as they speak of their faith in Jesus in the past tense. Where they said, but we had hoped. We had thought, we, we had believed that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel and launch a violent revolution against these Romans and kick them out and make us wealthy and, and rich and powerful all over again. And as he goes on and he, he explains, he says, yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since all of these things have happened. 
And yes, it is true that there are some women who we knew who were all excited earlier this morning. They were going on and on about angels and about how his body was no longer in the grave and on and on, but Cleopas seems to be saying that after all of this buildup, though, Jesus still hasn't shown up, and he said that he was going to show up on the third day. Well, night has now fallen on the third day, and tomorrow is going to be the fourth. So I guess all of this stuff was just another pipe dream. It was just another religious Ponzi scheme that has blown up in our faces. I mean, Cleopas's expectations in Jesus have been absolutely destroyed. And yet in verse 25, though, Jesus has his famous reply. Where he says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then Jesus begins speaking about Moses, and I'm sure referring to Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 and many other things that the prophets had said concerning him. Well, Jesus, along with Cleopas and whoever he's with, enters into Emmaus. And they invite him to come inside their house, and he does. And when he does, he sits down at their table, he breaks bread, blesses it, and he hands it to them. And it's here in verse 31 and 32 where, where their fear and their great joy take hold of them when the resurrection is realized. As Jesus breaks the bread in verse 31, it says that their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus risen now. And then he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke with us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures? And then what we are witness to in in the pages of the sacred scriptures are the power of good news. Or yes, even though it is late in the evening, and yes, even though our bodies are weary from seven miles worth of walking, we have got to spread the news. And so we see Cleopas and his wife, we, we assume, leave their house, walk seven miles all the way back into Jerusalem. And they're pounding on the doors after midnight with the bombshell of the ages for the 11 apostles. Where now they are the ones who are saying, we just saw Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. And it's then when Jesus appears to them all at the same time. Well, earlier on in the morning, as the women have come to at least a few of the apostles, you could just hear the sadness and disillusionment in their words. You see, they are heartbroken and their expectations of Jesus have been absolutely destroyed and decimated. I believe what is going through their minds and their sorrow is that, that Jesus rescued us from yesterday's sea storms. But who is going to rescue us from the storms of tomorrow? 
And as the women are saying that his grave is empty, we saw the angels, Jesus Christ is alive. He's on his way to us soon. Verse 11 of Luke 24, it says that initially these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. You see, they are living in this time in history when the star testimony of a bunch of uneducated women would have been something that would have been dismissed as hysterical nonsense. Where it would have been like, well, thanks anyway, but just go back to your homes and go lie down. You need to leave us alone right now. I imagine that what the apostles have been wrestling with in this period of time leading up to this could very well have been, were we wrong about Jesus? I mean, we were so close. But you just can't fight City Hall. This time it looks like even Jesus Christ himself has come up short. And what about these relatives and friends and neighbors and co-workers of ours? All these people who had said how outlandish it was to have followed a 30-year-old homeless carpenter. They told us not to do that. And now I guess that, well, it's been three days, so now we got to go back with our tails between our legs begging for our old jobs back. We're going to be the village idiots of Jerusalem for the rest of our lives. They will never let us live this down. And now in verse 37, as the risen Jesus communes in their midst visibly and says that I am he, I am here, I am risen. Even though Jesus stands in front of them, speaking to them, addressing them, they don't know that it's Jesus. Verse 37 says, but they were startled and they were frightened and they thought that they were seeing a spirit. And how eerily reminiscent this is of the sea storm. As the apostles are on a boat that is being swayed by violent and turbulent seas and they see Jesus walking on the waves of the storm and they say that it is a ghost only to discover that the storm calmer had been with them all along through their storm. And it is here in this moment where we see all 11 of them at the same time have their fear and their great joy set in as the resurrection is realized. Where we see the calmer of the seas once again say, Peace be still to them. And he calms another one of their storms. This one, a storm that is waging in their soul. As Jesus says to the Apostle Thomas, who I love so much, he gets a bad rap. He's not the only one who doubted. Everybody had doubted it, as we've seen this morning. But he says to Thomas, see my hands and my feet. I want you to reach out and to feel the scars that are in my hands, Thomas. And so he does, and it still obviously understandably seems too good to be true to them. It's like, are we dreaming right now? Jesus says, here, give me something to eat. I mean, how many more ways do I have to prove to you guys I am back from the dead? 
And then Thomas proclaims, my Lord and my God. Now, after all of these sleepless nights of hysteria that, that have ensued for the apostles, now they will sleep peacefully tonight. Because Jesus is alive. And what about us, though, this morning? We love Jesus. We believe in Jesus. But sometimes if we listen very, very closely, we can hear the sadness and disillusionment speaking in our circumstances. Perhaps you have said, you know, it's just one problem and, and heartache and tragedy after the other. Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe others have said God doesn't exist anymore. Maybe you have said that I have prayed and I prayed and I prayed for a promotion or for a spouse or for my sickness to go away, but the prayers, well, I guess they're just not working. Maybe you have said that I had hoped that my spouse would live for even just a few more years. But she is dead now. And we find our dreams and our expectations of, of God and, and Christ Jesus, his son, destroyed and decimated. Mary stood with Jesus in the garden and she didn't know that it was him. Those two travelers on the road to Emmaus spent three hours walking with Jesus, seven miles, speaking with him, but they did not recognize him. The apostles looked right into the face of Jesus, but they thought that they were looking into the face of an apparition. And what we need to understand is that we don't even know it, but, but right now Jesus is standing right in front of us in the midst of our circumstances. As we weep in our garden tombs and our road to Emmaus and our upper rooms at midnight. It was not an empty tomb that convinced them that Jesus had risen from the dead. And yet remember it was when they had sat down and broken bread with Jesus. When we sit down together and we break the bread of Jesus and we drink his blood at the communion table in, in commemoration. When we take our minds off of the sorrows of man and onto the man of sorrows. When we remember his words and those words burn within our hearts. This is when the fear and the great joy of resurrection morning sets in. As the resurrection is realized. Last week marked our third year at Westchester, and on April 1st, just the other day, I, I stood in our empty auditorium three years later, and I played the first words that I ever said to this congregation as minister, where I said, Christ is risen, and, and all of you had, had responded, He is risen indeed. And as I played that on my phone and I heard those voices echoing in our empty auditorium three years to the day later, it dawned on me that four of those voices have since flown home. Our sister Lois Williams said, he is risen indeed. Nadine Chandler said it as well. 
Over to the side was Rob Hansen, who I remember being there that morning. And loudest of all, with the emphatic exuberance of a four-year-old boy, was the voice of our beloved shepherd, Jim Lowry, who said, He is risen indeed. And as I heard that in our auditorium, I remembered two weeks ago when I was at Rolling Hills Graveyard. And I was looking for the grave of our beloved shepherd, Jim. I couldn't find it at first, and I felt sad about that. And it was then when the words of the angel returned to me, He is not here. Jim is not here. Jim never was here. He, he is in paradise now with Jesus. And for all of those Christians who we are, are grieving here this morning and missing in our heart of hearts, they're not even dead, but rather they're just asleep. And before we even know it, in the blink of an eye, we, along with them, are going to see the face of Jesus. We're going to reach out and see the scars in his hands and we're going to lay hold of those scars that had purchased our salvation and that took our depravity all the way to Golgotha. And as for all of these troubles of ours, well, that too one day will be no more. As we close this morning, what I want to invite us to is very simple, but it requires commitment. And that is to every single day of our lives, say it out loud. Acknowledge the existence of the resurrected Jesus out loud as we pray. There is a prayer that I pray every single day where after I have done my reading in the Gospels, I will pray this. And, and as I do, I can just feel the faith and the confidence in the risen Jesus being breathed and burning in my heart. And so as I close, I just want to pray these words. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the Eucharist of the saints, the forgiveness of the sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us, sinners, so that we may have mercy on those who we encounter. 